Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. This morning, uh, we are uh, always humbled and honored when we can we can do that together. When we can worship God together. It's a wonderful thing. Um, today's a special day, as I mentioned. It's not just a, a time for us to uh, celebrate Jesus and each other. Uh, time to remember uh, God moving uh, in our lives through uh, the Trinity, but also uh, it's a day that we're gonna. Uh, dedicate uh, Baby Lane uh, to the Lord today, and so that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. And so at the end of service, um, we'll do that together. And so uh, there are several family members here for Jen and Justin um, that are going to come and, and support them. And so we're going we're gonna to celebrate with them in this wonderful new life uh, and believe that the Lord is going to continue to uh, raise her up um, for him. And so um, we want you to be here for all of that and then we want you to join us afterwards as well in the hub um we've got fried chicken come on somebody i said fried chicken uh we got we got fried chicken we've got all kinds of uh wonderful uh food to, to celebrate with and so uh we want you to please come and eat it we appreciate you who brought something um and just for being here with us today it's a wonderful uh day to do that uh we want to continue to uh, go through our Healthy Church series, our Healthy Home series, rather. Healthy Church was the last one. Uh, we want to continue to go through uh, that today as we are um, working through together. So it's the first chapter today that we're going to be going through. And so uh, I want you to be able to, to do that with us. Uh, so I need to do something real quick before we, uh, before we go any further, just so the folks aren't confused that are watching us at home. Um, there's a screen we have to transition that we didn't transition um, yet. So let me fix that real quick. Hi, Ruben. <laughs> I don't, there we go. Doesn't seem any different for you guys, but to those who are online, they're like, wow, thanks. Now I can see what's going on. Yeah. Amen. It's always important. All right. Well, we want to get into... Uh, healthy home today. And so we appreciate you all for purchasing the book if you have um, and reading it with us. Many of you have uh, said that you've already read the book, which is encouraging to me uh, that you've already taken time to do that. We intentionally uh, write them so that you can read them in a short period of time. We don't want them to be uh, cumbersome read. We want it to be something you can even go back and read uh, on in the future. And so uh, if you have done that. Um, we appreciate that. If you are continuing to, to do that today, um, as you are with us today and you say, you know what, I'd love to grab a copy of the book. We have copies out in the foyer. Um, my name is on the book, but I don't get any of the money from it. Uh, the money goes towards building churches in Peru. Um, I just put a name on it so you guys know who to blame. If you have any issues with anything that's written in it, um, the church has been gracious enough to to help um, you know, put up the money for us to get the ISBN numbers and the things like that and to order the books 
Uh, and because of your donations, we've been able to uh, recoup the money that we invested into it, and now we're, we're putting money away towards building churches in Peru. So that's an awesome thing uh, to see that we've built one church already. We have the money to already build uh, a second church uh, uh, next year when they go, and so we're raising money now for a third church. And so uh, that's an awesome thing. They have uh, 52 churches already built there, uh, all up and down the Amazon. They're going into Brazil, into Colombia, different places. And so uh, we're excited to be a part of that, uh, literally building the kingdom. Uh, and so uh, we appreciate you for your faithfulness to that. And so that's why we, we do these book series, because it's a way for us to have something tangible in our hands and a way for us to continue to uh, move forward. And so um, we want to honor the Lord with that today and honor the Lord with our time. And so if you're able to, uh, can we just pray that the Lord would continue to be with us today uh, as we go through his word? Lord, we thank you today for this time of worship. We thank you for the privilege that we've had to be able to focus our hearts on you, Lord, for these few moments. God, I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us. We believe that you have caused all scripture to be for our learning, God. And so we pray that you would help us to hear the words today, to read them, to mark them, to learn them, God, and to inwardly digest them in our hearts today so that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, God, that we can embrace and we can ever hold fast to the blessed hope that we have in Jesus, Lord. Lord, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, many of us understand the concept of home. This first chapter that we're going through in the book uh, is, is entitled, Home is Where the Heart Is. Now, that is a colloquialism that we have heard in our culture for a long time. And we know that that means many different things to many different people. Home could be uh, where you grew up. Home could be where you presently reside. Home could be uh, a group of friends that have built a community around each other. Home could be uh, when you sit underneath of a tree or when you are down at the ocean or uh, hiking, wherever it is. Uh, all of us have a place where we can go, uh, where we feel that it is our safe place, that we can we can unwind and we can be ourselves, we can rest, we can find safety in that place. And for some of us, we may not have that in our actual homes, but we have it in other places. And so if you find yourself today uh, thinking through uh, some of the truths that we talk about today, you might be saying, I don't know if my home is healthy, but I, but I know what it means to find a place where you can be uh, secure and you can be safe. And so our hope is, is that as we continue to open up our hearts to God and continue to let him lead us in our homes, that we can develop uh, the kind of homes that uh, he can speak to us and he can be uh, the Lord of. Because he desires not only to be uh, the Lord of our lives, but he, he wants and deserves to be the Lord over our homes as well. He deserves to be the Lord over our jobs, the Lord over our relationships. He deserves to be the Lord over our church. He deserves to be Lord over everything, right? And, and it's important to know that because if we call him Lord and we profess faith in him as our Lord, uh, we, we no longer get to do what we want to do, right? He is our Lord. And so we need to live according to what he uh, calls us to do, right? And according to his word. And so uh, it's an important factor that we see in the home. And so today, our goal in opening up this discussion about what it looks like to have a healthy home, we want to focus some time on even how God intricately put things in order in place so that we could have uh, interaction with him so that we could dwell with him so that we can be in relationship with him even from the very beginning uh, he did so and so we want to look at that today but first let's go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 Jesus says for where your treasure is there your heart will also be right in other words you could say what you value most 
that's what you're going to desire to, to, to be at, right? Where you're going to desire to be, where your attention, where your focus is going to be. And that's an important uh, launching point for us uh, because as we discuss these truths today, we need to understand how God views the home because God cares about the home. He cares about that place, that secret place, right? Uh, the psalmist wrote that uh, when he dwells in the secret place, right, of the Most High, right, that he abides under his shadow, right? There is a place that we can go. And for most of us, it is our home. But for others, it could be other places. But wherever it is, we have to recognize that God cares about our home. And I'm going to show you why I say God cares about our home and why God cares about what happens in those safe places. Because we see it from the very beginning in the way that he has crafted even uh, the language that the, the Bible in the Old Testament specifically was written in. And so if you look at the letter Bet, right, there are 22 letters. Some scholars say 23 letters because of the, the dot between the sin and the shin. Uh, but mostly we recognize 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. It is uh, the oldest uh, language that has a, an existing alphabet in it um, that we have in use today. There are other languages that are older, but this is the only one that has a working, existing alphabet. You can thank the Masoretes for most of our understanding of even how to read Hebrew, biblical Hebrew today, because of the vowel system that was lost. Um, and the language has gone through transitions, which is why if you were to go online and try to look up a Hebrew word in just a normal Hebrew language translation app, uh, it's not going to be an accurate translation because there's been transitions between uh, what is spoken now uh, in countries that speak uh, Hebrew and then in the biblical Hebrew. And so uh, it gives us understanding as to the profound nature of this language when we can break down some of the things that it means. And so one thing we know about, or three things we know about the Hebrew language uh, is that uh, it was a number system. It was a, a letter alphabet system, but it was also a pictograph. So there, the letters also were images that, that pointed to uh, things, right? Pointed to um, entities, pointed to um, ideas or thoughts, right? Or realities. And so we're going to look at two of those letters today uh, in trying to understand this, under, this idea of God valuing the home. So the first letter is bet. Now you see a slash there between bet and vet. One of the things that you will notice in biblical Hebrew that's different from modern Hebrew is that they use doggish lanes. It's like a little, like a little dot. It's like, there's a dot right there. Uh, and if it's in the middle of that letter, then it changes the noun, the, the way it's used, right? It's like, if it has the, the dot, it's, it's a, b, a B sound. If it doesn't have the dot, it's a V sound, right? Um, and so this isn't like Chekhov in Star Trek where it's like Wichter, Wichter, nine, nine. It literally, it's either, it's either V with, with, uh, with the doggish lane or, or without it, right? So what's most important though about the letter, and this is going to help illustrate why we think God cares so much about the home. Because the very first word in the Hebrew Bible is the word Bereshit, which is where we get the phrase in the beginning. Now in that, uh, the very first letter of that word Bereshit is the word Bet. Now what you understand about the word Bet is that it is also where we get the word for house, right? And so Bethel, right? House of God. It's where we get that understanding of house. And even the way that it is designed, it is intentionally designed to look like a house with a door open. And so the understanding with this letter and with the Hebrew alphabet in general, scholars believe that the Hebrew alphabet was used to create everything. Right? So we see here in the beginning, uh, bet 
was used to create the heavens and the earth, right, with Bereshit. And so scholars believe that it was the Hebrew alphabet that uh, was used to create everything. They also believe that uh, the book of life that the Bible describes is actually composed in what we understand to be the, the canon of Scripture because of the significance of the alphabet and the words and the letters that are used in it. And so uh, it, it's a profound language and it means something, right? It's not just that God cared enough about language to make it nuanced to where it had multiple meanings in the way that it would look, but he was trying to create a symbolism so that people would understand what he meant by that, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it by using a word that describes uh, a welcoming environment where he is with, he is inviting us to be with him, right? That's what we see happening here, right? Now this matters because homes remind us of how God invites us to spend time with Him. In the same way that we would see the letter bet, and if we understand it in, the, in, the, in its pictograph image, it literally means a house to come inside of the house, right? To be a part of this house. And so when God created the heavens and the earth and He created everything, He did so so that He uh, would be with His creation, right? When everything settled, it says He rested in the garden. Sin came and changed everything. But his original desire was for him to dwell with his creation. Now, his image is everywhere, even today. We can go outside and we can see that there's a God. We can look in the mirror and we image God. Even people that don't profess faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior have essences of a good creator in their lives, which is why when we see good things happen, we oftentimes get confused. It's not because we are good. It's because he created us good. And there are images that still reflect that goodness in our lives. But the reality is that when sin occurred in our lives, it separated us, right? And so the way God intended it to be is that he would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. He would be with them. That was their home. The Garden of Eden was their home. But when sin came in, it, it, it separated them from God. And that dynamic has always been at God's forefront of his mind. His focus, his plan, right? In Genesis 3, from the very beginning, he says, I'm going to make a way that the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And he goes on and makes a covenant with Abraham that his descendants were going to bless all the nations. And he continues on and makes a covenant with David. This messianic covenant that is fulfilled through Christ. And then Christ gives his disciples a commission to go into all the world. And he tells them, I'll be with you always. We see in all of these three instances, right, with him creating him covenant, being a covenant God and him also commissioning there's this desire here that we're going to look at here momentarily. But why is it so important to understand that as this openness, this welcoming house that God is inviting his creation to come and be with him? Why does that matter? It's because there are other words that describe separation that are intentionally, that are intentionally different, right? Now, if you look at another Hebrew letter, it's the word het, or the letter het. It's where we get the word kutz. Now, kutz means... Uh, outside, right? If somebody is outside, that, the letter kutz is, is usually used for Hebrew, right? The, letter, the, the word for inside is beten, which is, again, starts with the letter bet, right? So you see this idea of inside, outside. Now, if you look at the, this letter, het, you see something different already, right? There's no, there's no way of getting inside here, right? There's no open door here, unless you could say, well, I could burrow under the ground, and I could come up through. This isn't Minecraft. This, this is... There, there's an intentionality to the way that these letters are written because one means a wall of separation. 
And one means an openness, welcoming you in. And so, even in the way that these letters are described, we get to see how intricate God is trying to reveal the nature of what He desires, right? He created the world by welcoming the world into existence to dwell with Him. But the separation of sin created a chasm, right? That made us on the outside of Him. But that's not how He desires it to be. So what did He do? He sent His Son to bridge that gap so that we could be restored to covenant relationship with Him again. And it's a beautiful imagery because what it shows us is that all throughout, even in the way that the Hebrew language is described, even as something as small as that means so much to God that He wanted to point out this truth so that we would know that He cares about those moments. He cares so much about walking in the garden with Adam and Eve that He wants to try to restore that back. He cares so much about being with us in those intimate moments where he doesn't look at us and and isn't isn't ashamed of us right when sin came in what happened adam and eve were ashamed to be in god's presence so they 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 put clothes they wanted to try to hide themselves right so god made clothing for them they were ashamed because that's what sin does it creates shame in our lives but but god wants to dwell with us in the purity of those moments and he desires for that to happen in our homes more than anything because that's where it started right So the purpose of God's creation, His covenant, and His commission was for us to be with Him. For Him to be with us. Right? The whole purpose of creation and Him him resting was so that He could dwell with creation, right? He looked at everything and said it was very good. Right? I mean, I can see why He would say that. If I look around the room and I see all your fine faces, I can imagine that God looked at creation and said, it is very good. But when things got corrupted and sin changed everything, we begin to see a change in that as well because His covenants that He made were also so that He would be with His people and that they would be with Him. He constantly tried to get them to understand, I want you to understand that there are no other gods like Me. I want you to know that I am the one true God. Right in the Shema where it says the Lord our God is one, it's not just saying that He is is one entity, it's saying that He is the only one. He's number one. There are no other gods above Him. He is the ultimate God because He's the Creator of everything. And so even in the covenant, He changed that. And even in the commission, when Jesus told His disciples to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, He said, I will be with you always. Right? There's this understanding that God desires to be with us. But there's a caveat to Him being with us. He cannot dwell in our homes. He cannot dwell in our lives. He cannot dwell in our relationships. He cannot dwell where we are at if we don't recognize Him as Lord. Because light and darkness don't mix. And we can't say He's Lord in this area, but then still reject Him in other areas. Because if He is Lord, then He's Lord over everything. And that's not a... I don't mean that to be cumbersome today. I want that to be comforting to you. To know that God isn't just uh, supreme, sovereign, ruler, creator of everything, but He also wants to be the Lord of your home. He also wants to be with you in those moments where you may feel alone, you may feel like nobody's there with you, you may feel like things haven't happened the way you thought, but knowing that God is there with you, and knowing that you can commune with Him, and that you can be uh, renewed and revived even in that moment, even if it's just as simple as getting away in uh, in a room, right? Uh, Getting away in one space, right? All of us 
have to have something like that where we can get a hold of God in those intimate moments. Now, Selena and I have uh, in our bedroom, we, that was a kind of our place where we would kind of, it was like our sanctuary, right? The kids had their rooms and we had our room. Um, and we had door locks on all the doors. We've since changed a lot of that. But there was a time a couple of years ago when the kids were younger uh, where they actually locked themselves into our room. Uh, and we were terrified because they were oscillating fans and, you know, all kinds of things. And they've been prone to unauthorized behavior in their life. They still have that problem today. Um, and I was, I was trying to plead with them not to do anything to hurt themselves while we were trying to get the door open. We couldn't get the door open. You know, there's moments you start panicking. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have gotten it open if I'd have just stepped back and thought about it. But they were screaming. They were scared. We didn't know what was going on. So we ended up getting the door handle off. Still couldn't get it off. Well, I, was, I could see them then, so I knew they were okay, but they were terrified. So I told them to step back. And I, I like, went into like Jason Bourne, <laughs> Captain America. I kicked the door through. One, one kick. Woo! The door just exploded, right? Locking mechanisms went everywhere. Selena was like, right? But, <laughs> and I was like, I just wanted to get in there because I, I didn't know how to open it, right? So I was partly angry, partly scared. Um, kicked the door open. Um, now we have like a plate on our door to remind us of that moment, right? So the door doesn't lock. It just sh- shuts, but they can push it right open. So now we don't have any privacy. Um, <laughs> you can be in the most awkward positions and situations imaginable. Hey, hey, mom. Hey, dad. Um, yeah. And we have four kids, so there's <laughs> a lot of distraction. Um, but I say all that to say, you know, Sometimes we may not have moments where we have uh, a time to get away and separate from the chaos, but uh, in those moments, we really got to try to make our entire home a place where God can just let his peace overwhelm us, right? And try to find places to do that. So how do we do that? How do we have God in our homes? Because that's what he desires. He desires to be in our homes in every area of our lives. How does he do it? I think there are two fundamental ways that we can look at today as we go through this. And one is to have God in our homes uh, by incorporating prayer into our daily routines. And that may seem trivial. It may seem superfluous for us to go, well, well duh. I mean, why would I? But, but I, I, when, I'm, when I say prayer, I'm not just talking about uh, us um, saying a morning prayer or praying over our meals or maybe praying a, a closing prayer at night. Um, not that those aren't important and can't be valuable. What I'm talking about is a daily uh, routine of connecting with God throughout your day. And not just uh, doing it haphazardly, but being intentional about connecting with God in your own personal life and in your home. And so for us and for many of our uh, staff here at the church, uh, we pray every day at 9, 12, 3, and 6. 9, 12, 3, and 6. Uh, these are historically the hours that are recognized by the church to uh, connect us to the events that uh, unfolded on the day that Jesus was crucified, right? So 9 o'clock, 12, 3, and 6. And these are important hours for us to focus. Now, some, might, some of you might be saying, wait a second, you have dedicated times of prayer? That sounds like you are um, turning into like, uh, 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 you know, walking towards Mecca, towards Islam. Um, but if you do studies and research, you'll find something fascinating about the whole idea of praying at certain times during the day. Do you know that Islam actually got that from uh, Christians in the Middle East who would pray throughout the day. 
right? We know that Daniel prayed three times a day, and it wasn't just a rare thing that he did it because it was so it was so a part of his routine that even when they told him he couldn't pray anymore, he went back and prayed again because that's what he did. He prayed three times a day, and he faced a certain direction when he did it, right? That wasn't uh, a, a, a rewrite in history. That was it was custom before any understanding of other faiths were even written out. So it tells us something about how believers have always communicated with God. It wasn't just uh, praying over our meals. It wasn't just praying when we need them. It was actually a daily routine of praying and communicating with God. And for years, believers have done that through even uh, organized prayers, right? They're called prayers by rote. In other words, they're written down prayers and they would read them. Now, some people look at that and go, well, that's crazy, right? I don't need to do that. I can just talk to God. Well, that, that's great. Right, written down prayers aren't, aren't required, but there's a reason why people would have them. And there's a reason why those prayers uh, have existed for a long time. Uh, many of you who came to the Seder that we did for Passover, you know that the, um, the um, Haggadah that we used uh, was full of liturgy that had prayers in it that we prayed together. Uh, that was uniting us in those moments. If you look at the Psalms of Ascent, uh, when God's people would make the pilgrimage to the temple, they would always pray these Psalms of Ascent. They would sing them, and they did it every year, and it was uh, a, a kind of a tradition for them to do it. And it wasn't as if those words didn't have meaning, and they still didn't sing them with, and say them with, uh, with effort and energy, but it was a way of uniting them together. Mind, body, soul, right? Everything was together. And so St. Augustine of uh, Canterbury said that uh, in 600 A.D. He said that when we pray... Sometimes even in guided prayers, we are uniting ourselves in our mind and our body and our spirit so that God can truly communicate with us and we can, can truly communicate with him. And so these are ways of kind of getting us our minds set and our minds focused. So whatever it looks like for you, I think the most important thing for us to remember is that if we are going to honor God in our homes and in our lives, they have to be dedicated on times of prayer for him. So our team at the church, I will send out little texts that have like prayer emojis, right? So 9, 12, 3, and 6, they always get one of those from me. Um, and, and we do that because I want us to connect together throughout the day and to pray. And they don't have to be long prayers. It's as simple as, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for allowing me to come to another day. Please be with me today. Or at lunch, Lord, thank you. This is the hour that you would have been on the cross. Thank you for sending Jesus to, um, to be our Savior. Let me continue to give him glory and honor today. And just little things throughout the day. Because you know how easy it is? For us to go from giving God glory in our lives to letting, letting the hood come out in us, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I live in Virginia Beach, but there are other parts of Hampton Roads that I grew up in, right? So I understand that at times we, we can give God glory and honor, but also there are also times I need to watch out because I could let it out. I could let the streets out in me and I could be in trouble, right? Um, I was driving down Military Highway uh, a couple days ago and... Uh, there was a, a gentleman in a Supra, like one of those new Toyota Supras. He was obviously cool, right, because he drove one of those. Um, and so there was a, an elderly woman in like a Toyota Highlander, and she was, you know, cautiously driving down Military Highway. And this guy was in a rush, um, apparently. So he drove by her, beeped his horn, um, and then he decided to show her she was number one by sticking his finger out the window. Um, and I was like, man, that guy, right? So I was on my motorcycle, so I... I rode up to him, kind of looked at him a little bit. Turns out he's not as um, easily angered by long-haired, bearded men riding motorcycles as he is elderly women driving hybrids. But I looked at him just to kind of see why he was so angry. 
Uh, and he kind of sped off. Um, and I was just thinking about that, and the Lord was reminding me of how easily sometimes we could be, you know, listening to worship music, praying, praising him, all that stuff, and then something happens, and we're like, <clears throat> totally flipped the script, right? We're like, where did that come from? I just wanted to rip somebody's head off, and I was just listening to Caleb. I just donated $50 a month, and now I want to kill somebody. What is wrong with me? It's because we battle the flesh in our lives. And so if we want our homes to continuously honor the Lord, we have to be consistent in seeking God throughout the day. So that those around us, whether it be uh, future friends, family, spouse, uh, whether it be children, whatever it is, current uh, family members that live with us, that it'll begin to develop a, a pattern in our lives where we are seeking God throughout the day. And that changes a culture. That changes the culture. I've learned that I can't be angry when I'm praying. I I can, but I don't end that way, right? I may start angry, but I don't end that way. I'm usually ending humble, broken, just appreciative of God's goodness. And so that breaks that that in our lives. And it's important to do that in in whatever way you do it. You guys have your own routine, your own plan. The important thing is consistency. And that's why we, anything we do has to be built on that. And so the second thing that we see here in having God in our homes is to regularly read and study the Bible as a family. Right? Now, how can we devote our homes to the study of God's Word? How can we devote our homes to the study of God's Word? I got something revolutionary for you guys in how you can devote your homes to the study of God's Word. Read it. (laughs) There is nothing more I can say to you that if you want... To have God's Word in your home, you have got to put it there. (laughs) And you have got to let it be the foundation of your home. The Bible talks about building a house, right? And building your house on, on the sand. And then when the waves of life come, that house falls because it wasn't built on the rock. But if we build our lives and our homes on the truth of God's Word, then no matter what happens, it will stand because it has been built on the rock. It has a good foundation. And so we need to understand that that's important for us to do that. And so whatever that looks like, whatever that means, we need to constantly do that. And we need to find time to do that. It's not just, you know, for some people, uh, that could be downloading an app and reading a daily Bible verse every single day. I was, most of our pastoral staff was in the nine o'clock service, so I made sure to throw this in there. I'll throw it in there for you guys can laugh with me at them. I just said, that for my pastoral staff, uh, reading of one verse a day isn't going to cut it. Um, I need them to be digging into the scriptures so that they can pour out into those that we minister to, right? But if you are new in the Lord and the whole idea of reading three chapters a day seems difficult, uh, the, the worst thing that we can do is say, oh, I'm just not going to read it because I, I, I don't know if I can understand it. I don't know if I'll get it. I don't know if I, I get confused when I read it sometimes. If we want to honor God in our homes, we have to have homes that are built on the authority of his word. And so for some people, that even means putting Bible verses all over their home. My mom used to do that all the time, and it used to drive me nuts. You know who it also drove crazy? My father, who wasn't a Christian for most of my life. But my mom threw enough plates at him when they were younger that he didn't mess with her anymore when it came to her faith. He knew that there were some things that she she was not going to budge on. 
And so even though for, for much of their life, he, he just didn't understand why she was so committed to the Lord. Well, my mom would pray. She would read her Bible. She would put Bible verses everywhere. And she would cut you if you tried to tell her she couldn't do it. And so my dad knew not to mess with her when it came to that. But one of the things that it helped for us is it helped us develop uh, an understanding of what, uh, what should happen in a home uh, when somebody loves God. Right? Because it's not so much about what we do here. These are just outflows, right? And we should gather. Don't get me wrong. The Bible says that we should gather because we experience God's presence in a powerful way when we gather together. But there's something precious about a life that is committed to the Lord that even in their home, they are committed to growing and studying it. And so even if it's just one verse, right? You could say, man, pastor, I read one verse and I get confused. Well, take time and let that one verse, uh, let God speak to you through that one verse. See, reading the Bible should be like an adventure for us. And it's one of the things that I love about the Bible is that I can read something and may not understand what it means, but I can research it and figure out what it means. And that's an exciting opportunity because this is the living Word of God. And it has the very words of life. Right? That's what Peter said when Jesus asked them if they were going to leave because he spoke such a hard truth to those that were there. And he says, where else are we going to go? You have the very words of life. See, if we want our homes to be built in a way that, that brings God glory and honor, in a healthy way, we've got to surround our home and our lives with the Word of God. When uh, Joshua was getting ready to uh, depart from his leadership over Israel, he was in his 90s. He gave them a famous speech and a famous ultimatum where he said, choose this day, right, whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve uh, the gods of all the nations that you conquered, right, that, that God defeated through his mighty hand? Or are you going to serve the God of your fathers, the God of Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Then he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, that's a commitment uh, that Joshua was making there. Where he was saying, you know what? You guys can do what you want, but I'm telling you that until my last breath on this earth, my, my house is going to serve the Lord. And if that means I'm going to pray them through, because there are a lot of times you've got to pray through that, right? You've got, you got, you got children that are rascally. I've got children that are rascally. And I'm, I pray all the time, God, get a hold of them. Open their eyes and they will see you, Lord. Uh, we have family members that we know uh, may not be living for the Lord, but we know that God wants to have a relationship with them. And so we're clinging to that. Sometimes it may feel like we're the only one holding on to the truth. But God's faithful. And God will continue to open up the eyes of the blind. He will continue to bring that. And so I think we need to have a tenacity in our hearts and a consistency that if we're going to honor God in our homes, it's going to mean that we uh, take time to pray and we take time to make His Word uh, the foundation of our lives. Because what will happen if we do that? What will happen if we uh, give God all of uh, that access and seeking him in prayer and worship and reading our Bibles and letting him pour into us. It'll begin to change the culture in our homes, but it'll affect people that are even connected to our homes. So like we will begin to become like little cities of refuge in our homes and we'll be able to help people. We'll be able to be a source of light and a comfort for people who are hurting. And they may not, they may not ever step foot into these doors, but they're connected to us where we're at. And they'll begin to see that there's something different about us because we have dedicated our home to the Lord. And we recognize that, our, that this is a place where God dwells. God dwells in this place. 
And so we honor him with everything we do. And that affects even how you treat each other, too. It affects how husbands treat wives, children treat their parents, brothers and sisters treat each other, friends treat each other. It affects everything. And it's important for us to know that because that matters how we treat each other. And so as we think about these truths today, let's not neglect the opportunities that God has given us. Today is a day that in a moment we're going we're gonna to celebrate and dedicate baby Lane to the Lord. You know, customarily, uh, when a child was eight days old, they would take him to the temple. Uh, they'd present him. They'd circumcise him. They'd give him a name. And that meant that they were in the covenant relationship with God. It's where a lot of scholars believe infant baptism even came from as a way of people uh, connecting to this understanding of we want to commit this child to the Lord in the same way that they were committed to him. Uh, and so baby dedications fall into that same line. When we, when we dedicate a child, we are, we are saying, Lord, we want to give this child back to you. We are, we are committing to raise this child in a way that brings you honor and glory. And that's a powerful, profound reality, right? But all of that is possible uh, because we recognize uh, what God has done in our lives. And so uh, when it comes to a home, those are beautiful examples of why it's so important for us to have God at the forefront of our homes. And so I'm going to pray with you today. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you some questions that I want you to think about. We have our assessments that we have in the back of the book uh, of this chapter. And we'd love for you to, to look at those as you uh, think about it in your heart today. But I want you to think about these assessments. And then I want to invite you to come and partake of communion here in a moment. And I want you to ponder these truths today. So could you just for a moment close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to think about these. I don't want you to answer these questions. I just want you to think about these questions today. Is regular Bible study part of your home's daily routine? If not, what keeps you from daily Bible study? Number two, how can you personally improve the value placed on what happens when you are home? How can you personally improve the value placed on what happens when you are home? And thirdly, can you think of anything that needs to change in order to keep you focused on God when you're at home? Can you think of anything that needs to change in order to keep you focused on God when you're at home? And fourthly, lastly, in what ways could your acts of service draw others closer to God and encourage them in a spirit of love and unity? In what ways could your acts of service draw others closer to God and encourage a spirit of love and unity? God, I pray today that you would help us to humble our hearts today, Lord, before you. To know that we don't deserve the grace that you have shown us. But Lord, you have been faithful to us. You've been gracious to us. You have, you have been good to us when we didn't deserve it, Lord. And so... As we reflect on these truths today, God, help us, Lord, to understand the moments, Lord, where we may have sinned against you in thought or word or deed, Lord, by what we've done or maybe what we've left undone or haven't done, Lord, when we've not loved you with our whole heart, Lord, and we've not loved our neighbors or our family members as ourselves, 
Lord, we're truly sorry and we humbly repent today. And Lord, we say and we ask, Lord, that for the sake of Your Son, Jesus Christ, that You would have mercy upon us today and forgive us from the moments we've fallen short and give us an opportunity to continue to honor You today and to commit ourselves to living lives in our homes and in our, in our hearts that bring You glory and honor. Lord, You've promised to forgive our sins if we repent, Lord. And so, Lord, we repent today of the things we've done and the things we haven't done. And we pray that You continue to be with us today. Lord, as we think about the night that You were betrayed, You gave bread to Your disciples and You said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for You. Do this in remembrance of Me. Lord, likewise, You... You gave him the cup, the cup of salvation. You exchanged the cup of wrath for this cup of blessing, this cup of salvation. And you said, take, drink. This is my blood which is shed for you. Lord, as we take the bread today, the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation today, may you be present today in the breaking of our bread like you were the night that you broke it with your disciples. And may you move on our hearts and our lives today and help us to see you, God, and give us a desire for more of you in our homes, Lord. And so we recognize today that you are sovereign, that you are in charge. And we ask today that you would be glorified and that you'd help us today to see you, Lord. And so, Lord, as Christ taught us, we are now bold to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 We'd love for you to come and partake of communion with us as we reflect on God's goodness today. Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.